morning, Kavanaugh. Thank you for tuning in with us. We're gathered together to worship. Psalm 100 says, let's make a joyful noise to the Lord. That is what we're here to do. Please worship with us and let's sing the only name that matters to me.
Hi, thank you so much, praise team. Today we lift up that name, that name that has saved us, that has loved us, and that gave so much for us our King and our Lord and Savior of our life, Jesus Christ. And we're so thankful that you, Kavanaugh Church, has joined us today here online. We miss you. We wish you were here with us, uh, and, and we can't wait to see you again. But we know uh, that we are going to praise and we're going to lift up the name of Jesus today wherever we're at. So thank you for joining us online. Um, and again, thank you jo for joining us with your family today. We want to lift up Brother Will in prayer as he brings the word today. Uh, we pray that our hearts are open and receptive to what he has to say for us. Um, and again, so thankful that you're here. Let's continue to worship this morning.
and be glad in it. And Kavanaugh Church, I'm so glad that you're with us online. This is the fifth Sunday we've been online, and I don't know about you, but I'm ready to have real church. And uh, the day that that happens, we're going to be able to worship and praise the Lord together, and I'm so excited about that. Today, I want to talk to you about surviving tough times. And not only surviving tough times, but let's talk about thriving during tough times. And our passage this morning is James chapter 1. I'd like to read verses 2 through 4. Here's what James says. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Really? (laughs) Brother James, what are you talking about? Count it all joy when you face various trials and troubles and testings. He goes on to say, know this, that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And may the Lord add his blessings to the reading and now the preaching of his word. Tough times. I mean, they come every day. I like to call them life's daily quizzes and life's final examinations. Uh, Back when you were in school and the professor or teacher would come in and say, hey, today we're going to have a pop quiz. Didn't it just make you sick to your stomach when you heard those words? Well, you know what? Every day we have pop quizzes that come up. And then, ever so often, there are life's final examinations, things that happen to us that just rock our world to the core. Life's tough times. In fact, every day in one way or another, we all face trials and tribulations of varying size and significance. The real question is, how do we react? How do we respond to life's daily quizzes and life's final examinations? Well, I know some people who react with denial. They say, this is not happening to me, and they find the nearest sand they can stick their head in. Some people react with escape. They'll smoke a joint of marijuana or take a snort of cocaine. Um, there are liquor stores all over town right now whose, uh, whose, whose cabinets are empty 
because people are drowning their sorrows away with alcohol. Others react with a shallow kind of optimism. I remember about hearing one particular Sunday school class where every Sunday the members would share their favorite verses. And inevitably, one man would always stand and say, my favorite verse is grin and bear it. I think it's found somewhere in the Old Testament. And then there are those who react to life's troubles with pessimism. We know these people. Every time we see them, they're singing another verse of, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Is there a better way to react? Should a Christian respond differently than someone without faith? Is there a way that we can react that would help our soul to grow? Well, James says there is a better way. James wants us to know in no uncertain terms that we can face life's tough times with a sense of confidence and even more than that, a sense of joy, believe it or not, if we understand God's purpose in our trial. Three things I want you to see today from God's Word. Number one, tough times are going to happen. Listen to what he said in verse 2. My brethren... Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Notice he didn't say if you face trials. He said when you face trials. You see, becoming a Christian doesn't give you a free pass through life. You're going to have tough times. Here's what I know about tough times. Three things. Number one, tough times are inevitable. They are definite. In fact... Peter told his readers, stop thinking that the fiery trials that have fallen on you are something that are strange and foreign. So Peter and James reaffirms that troubles are just a part of life. It may be a blister on your finger, or it could be an aneurysm in your artery. It could be that you've lost your wallet, or it may be that you've lost your job. It could be that your plans for a day have failed or your dreams for a lifetime have been shattered. The only guarantee that we have is that tough times are coming. They are inevitable. James also points out, number two, that tough times come at inopportune times. That is, at indefinite times. In other words, you can't plan them nor can you predict them. They are lurking around the corner to take us by surprise. In fact, the very language that James uses suggests uncertainty. The King James speaks of temptations. But in the Greek, it is the word parismas, which means trials. In fact, it is the word from which we get our English word, pirate. And that suggests the very nature of the trials as James mentions them. They come like pirates into our life, attacking us suddenly and at indefinite times. In other words, life is thumping along okay. God is in his heaven and everything is fine down in our little world. And then all of a sudden, we come face to face with trouble. James also tells us that tough times come inconclusively. We get tests of all kinds. In fact, the Bible says here, when you fall into various trials, that word various trials really is the word for multicolored. 
In fact, it is the same word used in the Old Testament to describe Joseph's technicolored coat of many colors. And I think that means two things for us. Number one, it means that life's tests are personalized. They are custom made for each one of us. What may test you may not test me at all. In fact, we can see this in the ministry of Jesus. Jesus didn't give the same test to everyone. In fact, to several individuals, he gave tests that were unique to them. To the rich young ruler, remember what he said? Take everything you have, sell it, give the money to the poor, then take up your cross and follow me. He didn't say that to Nicodemus, nor did he say anything like that to the woman at the well. Why? Well, life's trials are personalized. And and I think that can help us have more sympathy with someone else when we understand this fact. What may make me tremble may not even touch you. Life's tests are not only personalized, they're also synchronized. In other words, sometimes they come all at the same time. It was Shakespeare who said, Trouble seldom comes as a single centryman. It usually comes as an entire battalion. You know it this way. When it rains, it pours. (laughs) And we all know that that's true. We've seen it. Tests of health lead to tests of wealth, which lead to emotional tests, which lead to domestic tests, and on and on and on. Some days when it rains, it really does pour. I mean, have you ever had a bad day? I mean, where everything went wrong and nothing went right? It reminds me of a young man I recently read about. He woke up early one morning because there was water dripping on his forehead. A pipe had busted in the attic, and he woke up with dripping water on his forehead. When he got out of the bed, he found that the water in the apartment was already ankle-deep. He knew he had to do something, so he called his landlord, and the landlord said, go rent a a wet vac and get that water out of my apartment before it ruins everything. And so he ran down to his car to go get a wet vac, but realized he had a flat tire. Thought, oh, I really need help now, so he ran back upstairs, sloshed across the water, picked up the phone to call someone, but it shocked him so bad, he pulled the phone off the wall. Going back downstairs to his car, he couldn't get the door opened. It it had swollen in the door jam. And so he screamed from the inside until someone came and kicked the door down from the outside. When he got back down to where his car was, he realized his car was gone. Somebody had stolen it (laughs) during all of this. Then it dawned on him he had very little gas in the car, so he went running down the street. And sure enough, two blocks down the road, there he found his car. He got some people to push it back to where his apartment was. He got the water turned off, his flat fixed, and he put gas in the car. By that time, he realized that he was about to be late for his ROTC graduation ceremony. So he took his bayonet, threw it in the front seat, ran back upstairs to to change clothes, ran back down and jumped into the front seat of his car, forgetting that he had put his bayonet there. A few minutes later, he found himself in the emergency room of the hospital having strategic surgery done on his backside. When he got back to the apartment, he opened the door 
and saw that falling plaster had toppled over his pet canary's cage, killing the bird. As he ran to where the cage was, he slipped on the wet carpet, fell, and traumatized his back. So for the second time in the same day, he found himself back in the emergency room. By this time, a newspaper reporter had caught up with the man and said, How in the world can you explain a day like this? To which the young man replied, Well, it looks like God was trying to kill me, but he just kept missing. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I've had days like that. You know what? They are inevitable. Tough times are coming. But James also tells us, number two, we are to face those tough times with redemptive reaction. What did he say in verse 2? Count it all joy. That is, have an unmixed, undiluted joy. We shouldn't try to escape or deny life's test with bitterness or complaining or even grumbling. Rather, we should consider testing as training ground for further growth. Now, don't misunderstand James. He doesn't mean joy in the sense of life's trials being your greatest joy. He's not talking about a jump up and down kind of joy. You see, the most mature believers I know don't hilariously go to the hospital. They don't frolic their way through funerals. They don't zestfully watch their bank accounts drop to zero. And that is not what James has in mind. No, the meaning is much deeper. The Bible tells us the joy of the Lord is our strength. James is not talking about a superficial kind of merriment. No, he's talking about the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is this inner strength of well-being that nothing, and I mean absolutely nothing in this world, can touch. This sort of joy resides in the heart of every born-again, spirit-filled believer. It is the inner assurance that even when everything around me is being shaken and my world is falling apart, I still have this confident relationship with Almighty God that nothing can touch. In this sense, the joy of the Lord is our strength. So how do we get this kind of joy? Well, James tells us that our outlook determines our outcome. Our viewpoint determines our victory. The first word, count, count it all joy or consider it all joy, gives us that insight. We must consider now how we are going to face life's tough times. Before we encounter trouble, we need to decide how we're going to face it. And you might be wondering, well, why now? Why why do I have to think that before it happens? Well, let me put it like this. A smart camper doesn't wait until the storm comes to anchor down their tent. And if I have learned any lesson in life, it is this lesson. The time to decide how you're going to respond to life is not during the tragedy. If we don't decide beforehand, we are at the mercy of of life's difficulties. About three weeks ago, I told you the story of of a tragic event that happened when Angie and I were in Fort Worth going to seminary. The the house of a young seminary couple caught on fire. 
the husband and wife were able to escape, but they're, 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 the husband ran back into the house to save their newborn baby, but he never came out of the house. Both the husband and the baby perished in that fire. Uh, the lady's pastor was called. He went to Harris Hospital to check on her. And if you remember the story from a couple of weeks ago, he, he was wondering, what am I going to say to this young lady who has just lost everything? And when he found her in the hospital, the first thing she said to him when he walked into the room was, Pastor, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And that pastor reflected on that and said, You know what? She didn't decide right then and there that the Lord was going to be her strength. No, she had said that previously. That, that had been a doctrine of her life, that the joy of the Lord was her strength. And then when she needed it the most, it was there for her. So what is going to happen if we don't consider and don't choose this attitude beforehand? Well, through life's irritations, we are going to become perpetual grumblers, grumbling ourselves and those around us to death. And then when life's big trials come, we're going to be totally undone, totally incapacitated. And so you say, well, how do I get to that point? Is it by sheer willpower? <laughs> I don't think so because I don't know anybody who's actually that strong. Here's the clue, point number three. We can face life's tough times with confidence. When we understand God's reason for allowing this trouble to come into our life. That is found in verses 3 and 4. James says, know this, that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. James explains why trials come. Let me, let me put it this way, church. I can write one word over every trouble and every trial that comes into my life. And that one word is permitted. God permits them. God allows them to come into my life. And, and I can hear some of you thinking right now, well, does that mean that God burns down houses with babies inside? Does, does that mean God starts uh, viruses that kill thousands of people? Does, does God cause accidents and plane crashes? Does God throw hurt after hurt into my life? Of course, the answer is no. All of these things are part of the natural law of the natural world in which we live. And if you haven't figured it out yet, our world is an imperfect world and imperfect things happen every day. And we are not exempt simply because we are believers. But because we are believers, we can write the word permitted over every trouble that comes into our life. And when we do that, we begin to see and we begin to understand how God is working through that word permitted. You see, just as the strongest and most prized fish are those that struggle and leap upstream, so it is with our own struggles Sometimes we have to go against the flow, and, and when we do, the, the struggles that are in our life produces characteristics that change us and shape us. They push us to make choices, growth choices. Athletes like the phrase, no pain, no gain. Well, let me tell you, that's true in the spiritual world as well. And it begins with allowing ourselves to place that word permitted 
over every trial and every trouble that comes our way. So what do life's trials tell us about ourselves? What can we learn from the trouble that comes into our life? Two things, and I'm done. Number one, tough times demonstrate the genuineness of our faith. Go back to verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. The word trials or testing is almost untranslatable. It, it really means that which is genuine about your faith. The ideal refers to iron ore that has gone through the refining fire and comes out on the other side as clean and pure and genuine. Let me put it this way. A ship cannot prove that it's been sturdily built as long as it stays in dry dock. Its hull has to get wet. It has to face a storm to demonstrate the genuineness of seaworthiness. And the same thing is true about your faith. When we hold fast to belief in Jesus Christ, in spite of the storms and the crushing criticism, that's when we demonstrate the genuineness of our faith. Number two, tough times reveal the durability of our faith. Again, verses three and four. James says, know this, that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. It produces patience or develops perseverance. So James assures us that perseverance, that steadfastness, that endurance, that triumphant tenacity, that unswavering fidelity to the cause of Christ is ours when we persevere, when we keep on keeping on, even when life knocks us down. It's the ability to get back up and press ahead. And God wants that characteristic in your life. If every day were a downhill slide with the wind at our back, let me tell you, we wouldn't persevere because we wouldn't know how. That's why it took Joseph 13 years to get from the pit to the palace. And that's why Moses spent 40 years on the backside of nowhere before God allowed him to lead his people out of Egyptian captivity. And when we ask, why in the world is this happening to me? One very good reason is that it's going to develop the grace of perseverance in our life. And let me tell you about this. Jesus counted perseverance so significant that he used the exact same word in the gospel of Mark when he said, whoever perseveres to the end shall be saved. Uh, to put it another way, we not only have a gospel of a good beginning, we have a gospel of a good ending. We can turn irritations into edifications. We can turn our trials into triumph. We can quit being victims of the things that happen to us. Church, listen to me. There is a way to consider it all joy. And that is through this special joy of the Lord. So, consider it joy. When you face trouble. I close with this. Tough times don't last. Tough people do. And God is trying to make you tough.
Heavenly Father, I, I pray that you would allow us to see how you're working through COVID-19 and working in our world and working through the problems and the trials and the troubles and the tests that we face every day. I pray, dear Lord, that we would allow this process to happen inside of us so that we can be the mature believers that you want us to be, so that we can develop perseverance in our life. Lord, I know that, that many in our congregation are hurting today. Uh, these tests of, of health have, have caused tests of wealth, that have caused emotional tests, that have caused domestic tests in their life. And I pray, dear Lord, for them today. I lift them up to you. Fill their heart with the joy that only comes from Jesus Christ. Dear Lord, I love you and I love our people. May your blessings be on Kavanaugh Church this day and forever. And Lord, if there's anyone listening who has never accepted Jesus as their Savior, I pray to, that today they would invite Jesus into their life and that they would experience the joy of the Lord. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. A couple of reminders. Number one, tune back in tonight at 6 o'clock, especially if you have your kids. Give, give them around the TV and let them watch Brother Johnny. He's got an awesome message for them. And Brother Johnny has a couple of guests that are going to be with him tonight. Then at 6 o'clock, you teenagers, uh, tune in to Instagram Live. You can hear Brother Nathan. He's going to have an awesome message for you. And here's what I can't wait for, 6.30 tonight. I'm going to tune in to, uh, to Facebook Live and listen to Brother Charlie Wagner. He's going to teach the adult Sunday school lesson, and I'm so looking forward to that. Then on Wednesday night, come back at 7 o'clock, uh, Facebook Live, and Brother Nathan has a message for you. Two more things. Number one, don't forget to pray for It's Our Turn. Uh, we, we haven't forgotten It's Our Turn. It's been on pause. I can't wait till we come back together as the family of faith and we push the play button on It's Our Turn. Things are still happening. God is working, and we're going to see a new building built. Uh, be praying with me about that. And let me thank you for giving. Uh, you have been so faithful to, uh, to give, whether it be online or mailing your check in or bringing it by the church. We so appreciate that, and I just continue to ask that you, that you do that on a, on a weekly basis. Make sure that you give to the Lord. God loves you. Our staff loves you. I love you. Have a great day. Can't wait to see you again.